there. It is episode 22, and you read it right. It's all about grief. When my coworker Courtney Diamond and I decided to do an episode about losing our dads, we knew it would be more personal grief than anything else. And when we were planning it, I I knew I wanted to release this right before Father's Day because I think there are plenty of people who may need to feel like they're not alone during these parental holidays. And for me, depending on the year, it can be great or terrible on Father's Day. So this episode is mainly about grief surrounding losing a parent. But what's interesting, though, is the fact that we are dealing with grief on a world and national level right now in all of our lives. On the world level, the pandemic of COVID-19 is making us go through all of the grieving stages almost like in a cycle because we are seeing numbers of people dying around the world. And that could be the first time that we have resonated with something like that. On a national level, just two weeks ago, we saw the death of George Floyd get captured on a cell phone. We are seeing intense amounts of grief around the world and around our country. And if you're human and you have empathy and compassion, which all of us do, we all have that in us. You are grieving these losses as we see them on our phones and in the news. My sincere love and respect goes out to you if you are somebody who has dealt directly with the death regarding COVID-19 or racism in this nation. Now, look, I am not a scientist nor a doctor. I know you may think I am. So I, I don't have the answers for the virus, obviously, uh, but I can do my part because I'm taking care of myself and the people around me by wearing a mask and washing my hands and keeping distant. And this also goes for ending racism in this country. As a white woman, I am listening to the black communities. I am trying to learn more about what I've never had a firsthand seat to. I acknowledge my privilege of being a white woman in this nation. And I've always been on the side of equality in my whole life for both race and gender. I want to contribute as my person to equality in this nation. So I'm here. I'm here to learn more and do what I can to help make this happen. And I just I needed to use this time to say that out loud. Now, this episode, unfortunately, won't be the answer to these two examples of world and national grief, but it may come in handy if you have some personal grief happening right now. Or maybe you've never lost somebody like a parent and You're curious to hear more about what that can be like. Because after all, we are supposed to lose our parents first. So maybe get some tissues out, curl up tight. This is a very real conversation about losing your dad from two daughters who have done that already. And I hope you find something from this. I don't think it will, but maybe it could do something on a bigger level. This is a conversation about grief. Oh my god, we haven't seen each other in a really long time. So this is this is interesting that you are in the Casey studio with me right now. It's very interesting. It's weird to be back. Yeah. How so? I haven't been here in almost 3 months, right? So I feel like I thought it was going to be weird coming back, but I don't think I expected all the signage everywhere and all of the like <laughs> you have to have a mask and enter this building, which yeah. I'm glad for. Right. Cuz I've been paranoid about leaving my house. But it just feels different. It You can tell that there's no normalcy here right now. Yes. And that's how the world is, right? So this yeah. is like a little ecosystem of the world. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, welcome back. I've been back for a month. I think this is my fourth week back. So I've I've kind of acclimated to the newness of it all. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't feel, I think after you're here more consistently, it's not as uncomfortable or as seemingly different. Yes, I would I would agree with that. I, I hope that's the case. I actually have to come in tomorrow for hours. So okay. I'm hoping it's not weird. No, you'll do great because <laughs> you are a resilient human. Oh, <laughs> which is what this episode is really all about, about being resilient. And people that have listened to my podcast know that I've lost some pretty important people in my life. And one was my dad and I was 21. Mm-hmm. I know that you lost your dad when you mm-hmm. were 17. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you and I have been talking about doing this podcast episode <laughs> for a while because, yeah. <laughs> because I think it's important to talk openly about grief and about the inevitable because here's the deal if all goes well in life right yeah people lose their parents that's the way nature goes right right yeah it's um i remember in the show 6 feet under Brenda, the character, she talks about how, you know, they have a term for a woman who loses her husband. That's a widow. And you have a term for a man who loses his wife. That's a widower. Yeah. There is no term for a person losing their children because that is too terrible. Mm -hmm. And so nature's way of doing things is that we will eventually lose our parents. Mm -hmm. And that blows on every level. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but we're also wired to survive through that. Most of us. Right. Some will not. Some take that to heart and can go to a very dark place. Yes. So I thought that given the holiday of Father's Day coming up. (laughs) Festive. Yeah. I I thought, why not talk about losing a parent? And you and I both losing our dads who were very important to us. Mm -hmm. It's it's important to talk about these things and break that stigma. I agree a million percent. I have recently come around to just not giving an F. About you can say curse words. If you I will. know, but I've been trying to stop. Oh my god, you're very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, just not. I just don't care what people think about what I'm saying. I think it needs to be talked about, and I think it needs to be uncensored. Like, yeah. well, which is weird considering I'm not cursing. But anyway, uncensored <laughs> yeah, in in terms of what you're feeling. Like, you just need to be able to talk about it, and people need to not give you shit for it. There, yeah. well, there we there are. we go. Well, let me ask you. So you were probably a senior in high school when your dad passed away. Yep. I was a senior. Yes. 17. And my siblings were very young. My sister and I are 10 years apart and my brother and I are 12 years apart. Oh, goodness. So I'm not going to do the math because I hate math, but they were super young and I was 17. Yeah. They were in single digits. There we go. Yes. Yes, Yes, they were. Wow. So would you like to go into a little bit of the backstory or as much of it as you'd like about how your dad passed away? Um. Yeah, to be honest, I wish I knew mm. how we passed away. Um, basically, what happened is I was pulled out of Spanish class. I thought it was kind of funky. It was my last class of the day. And my mom always said, like, hey, I'm coming to – even though I could drive, she used to take me to doctor's appointments and stuff. She'd be like, hey, you're getting pulled out because I'm taking you to this or whatever. And there was no warning this time. So I was like, that seems weird. So I got called out of class. I walked out. I saw my stepdad crying first, and I was like, okay. I assumed it was something to do with one of my grandparents. Right. Because that seems more logical. Yeah. And then I saw my mom was on the ground, like couldn't stand up. She was like a Mm -hmm. hot mess, even though they got divorced when I was three. Like she was a disaster. And I was like, oh, God, it's dad. 
It's dad, isn't it? I, I knew it as soon as I saw her. I knew that's what it was. And they told me, Laurie, my stepmom, went out to go shopping at Kohl's, as she often does. And dad was at home because he does not have or did not have a job because he was on disability from being a police officer. And so he was home and she left to go shopping and she came back and she couldn't get him to wake up. Oh, my God. Uh, He fell asleep in his favorite chair to take a nap because he hadn't slept well the night before. And then she just couldn't get him to wake up. So they called the EMS. They called 911. They got there, they took him to the hospital, tried to revive him a million times, and then I guess they called it or whatever you would call that. But here's the thing, it did not register for me. I thought they were still trying to save him. So I got in the car, I texted my best friend Bree, and I was like, hey, can you tell um, our director that I'm not going to be at rehearsal today? My dad's in the hospital. I'm sure everything's fine. That's what I said. I'm sure everything's fine. I'll text you later. When my mom had just told me, like, hey... Your dad's gone, but it, like, I don't know if I was just, like, not paying attention or what, but it did not register. And so about halfway through the drive, my mom was on the phone with my grandma, Wilton, Laurie's mom, and she was, like, trying to figure out where what hospital to go to because she was unfamiliar with the area or whatever. And then she got off the phone, and I said, is he awake yet? Oh, wow. And she goes, no, Court, he's gone. Like, he's gone. And then I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. Like, right. are you sure? Like, he's 45. Like, are you sure? Super young. Yeah. Everything from that moment was kind of a blur. The only thing I remember is getting to the hospital, crying with Laurie. We got to go in to see him. And then once we got back out to the lobby, I went into, like, this weird, like, laughing fit. And the coroner showed up and said, hi, I'm the coroner. Sorry to meet you. And I lost my shit laughing <sighs> in the lobby. Coroner joke. Interesting. And my mom was like, Courtney dad just died and I was like that was a good joke like I don't know like you were you were in hysterics yeah no I was that's where that term comes from when somebody says oh that's hysterical like it's a um it's like the body's response to where you're laughing uncontrollably like they used to have to give women like really weird not to go deep down this weird path but there I I once heard that they used to give women like before the vibrator was invented (laughs) they would vibrate these women to like get them through hysterics what super weird i've watched way too much of hbo as a child anyway that sounds awful yeah or amazing it could have it could have gone either way i guess so well god court like that's i mean that is extremely difficult yeah they don't tell you that kind of stuff can happen right so i think up until I, this is going to be kind of weird, but up until I saw him physically, physically, I was like, I didn't just lose my dad. I'm 17. Like, this doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. This doesn't happen to people. This has never happened to anybody I know. Like, why me? Like, this is fake. This is all fake. Right. Ashton Kutcher is going to pop up. I've been punked something. And when I saw that, saw his body, it was all very real. And yet I didn't deal with it for like two years. So, <laughs> Well, I'm going to pause you there because I yeah. think it was, it's interesting because our, our dynamics are different. Mm-hmm. You lost your dad at 17 spontaneously mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I was 21 when my dad died. So that was 2006. So he died July 2006. The November of 2005, mm-hmm. he was diagnosed with brain and lung cancer. And so and my dad was like 
he was a Vietnam veteran, so he was exposed to Agent Orange while he was over there. Heavy okay. smoker, mm-hmm. not active, you know. Yeah. So a lot of things contributed to his cancer. But what's interesting is so my dad was also kind of a hypochondriac. So when I was growing up, he, there was like a lot of pills around. Yeah. I'm sure some illegal things were happening there. But, <laughs> but my dad, like, he always had something a matter with him. And so everybody would kind of give him some shit about that. Yeah. But what's interesting is I remember specifically the phone call that my dad made to me in November and he, he and I would talk through the week because mm-hmm. he lived two hours away from me. Okay. And so he called me on this specific day. And I, was, I remember I was driving home. I think I was in my um, <laughs> my Dodge Neon. I had a cell phone. He calls my cell phone. I'm literally getting ready to pull into my mom's house. And he says, hey, I need you to come down to West Frankfurt, which is where you lived. He said, uh, and go to the doctor with me because they think I maybe have cancer. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking... The tone of his voice sounding different than all the other issues he's had before. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll be there. I'll get there tomorrow. Yeah. And I hung up the phone and I, in the most dramatic of fashions, you know, 20 years old, I screamed. I screamed like bloody murder in oh, no. my mom's cul-de-sac. She yeah. was in this nice subdivision. And so just happenstance, my mom's friend was knocking on the door as I'm losing it. And, oh. And she ran to me and she like grabbed me and was holding me like is so tight. I was just crying and I was a mess. Mm -hmm. And my mom's like, what is going on? And I'm like, dad has cancer. And my mom, I think at the time was like, no, you know, like kind of in denial. You know, he's always got something wrong with him. Well, anyway, the next day I went down there and sure enough, they showed us scans and my dad did. He had cancer. And so I think it's November, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. So that is nine months, I mm-hmm. guess, of time. And through that, he went through chemo and I was in, similar to you, just a state of denial because mm-hmm. I thought, no, 21, like this is not going to happen. Yeah. He's going to make it through. Yeah. And then also in the back of my head, as time kept moving, I, I started to go into kind of a uh, a morbid place where I thought, yeah, this maybe this maybe is happening. And then I was my physical reaction was to if I didn't see him sick, he's not sick. I see. And mm-hmm. so living two hours away from him, that was easy mm-hmm. because I wasn't there every day like my grandmother was. Right. And so uh, long story short, I was in college at the time and my radio station up at Bloomington Normal uh, at Illinois State University, we had a summer meeting every summer. And I was a program director, so I was like kind of, a, I was on like a panel, a management panel. And so I had to go to this meeting. And I wanted to see my friends and get away mm-hmm. from reality. Drove up there for a couple of days and was staying with a friend. And I remember on the last day, so this would have been July 9th, my mom calls me and she says, Lauren, you need to come home. Your dad's really not doing so well. And I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And so I drove from Bloomington to Columbia where my mom lives, which is about a three-hour drive and mm-hmm. just a mess the whole way home. When I got to my mom's house, because it was going to be an additional two more hours right. to go down to my dad's, I told my mom, I said, I can't leave. Like, I, I can't. It took me every every bit of my body to get mm-hmm. me here. And now I can't even... I can't go down there. And I was a mess. And she, you know, being a great mom, my mom's like, you don't have to go. Like, let's go in the morning or you can go in the morning. And Mm -hmm. like, and I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go in the morning. Go to sleep that night around, I don't know, three, four in the morning. My mom comes in and knocks on my door and she's like, Lauren, your dad passed away. So I missed it. Oh my God. And so, you know, you want to talk about like the biggest regret of your life is not... I said I wasn't going to get upset. Um, 
the biggest regrets of your life include the people you love the most, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I carried that with me forever until yeah. I finally got some mental help. But, um, you know, I and then a whole bunch of other just crazy stuff unraveled. Right. Yeah. Through that. And like you, I I don't remember, like, I guess the first time I saw his body, you know, was at the wake. And I was like the only one. In there, I think my aunt and my cousin were there too. My the guy I was dating at the time was there, and I like went into that room by myself, and it was just so freaking surreal to see, yeah, yeah. somebody that you've known your whole life there, but not. By the way, you mentioned how none of you didn't know anybody who had gone through this yeah. before. This is something interesting about my friends. I had a I have a group of friends who we've all lost parents, and we lost them at young ages. Started with my old friend, Rhiannon, when she was 13, her dad died by suicide, Mm -hmm. followed by my friend, Barry, whose dad was a cop as well. And he passed away from a heart attack, like within a year or two of each other, followed by my dad dying at 21. And I, my friend Meg's also lost her mom in that time somewhere in there, I think before she got out of high school. Mm -hmm. And then my friend Danielle's mom passed away right after my dad passed. So I've had this kind of, we have like this club, unfortunately, of people. There's a club. That have unfortunately this in common. Mm -hmm. But also in those times, I can't tell you how thankful I am to have people in my life that were, knew what I was going through. So talk about that, like your grief, your in denial. What are your friends? What is the support system like for you? Um... Yeah. In that time, it was really strange. I think as weird as it sounds, my whole friend group kind of went into shock. Like I remember I wanted to go back to school the next day. Like I wanted normal. I didn't want to deal with this. I did not want to help plan anything. It was kind of interesting. It felt like my entire friend group went into shock. I've always been a one friend person. And at that time I had my boyfriend and my best friend and You know, I didn't make any of the calls, you know, what I'm saying when you have to tell people. I was like, Mom, I'm fine, but, like, I don't want to do the thing where you call everybody and tell your best friend that your dad's dead and tell your boyfriend that you're going to need him more now. You know, I didn't want to do any of that, so I had her do all of that for me. Um, And they all rallied around me, but I also had this weird sense of, like, they just don't get it. And I'm thankful that they didn't because I don't want them to go through that. But you just feel really alone. Yeah. And you don't want to go to your family because, like, everybody's grieving too. And I think one of the most interesting things about grief is the way that it affects your relationships with other people. Like, after this, my relationship with my mom and my stepdad was, like, a disaster. Really? A disaster. Because I was, like, my stepdad was in this weird place of, like, wanting to step in but not wanting to overstep and I was in this weird place of like wanting him to know I cared but also wanting nothing to do with him because I don't have a dad anymore and my mom was in that place of hi appreciate me I'm still here you know kind of thing so it's so interesting how it affects all of the relationships that you have but I think I'm okay with the fact that I didn't have friends that had understood it at the time because I do now that I've dealt with it, I do have a group of friends who have all lost parents. There you go. Yeah. So it kind of works out. And also, 
despite how different the circumstances are for your dad and my dad, I also carried a lot of guilt after his death because I had moved out of his house permanently about three weeks before he died because apparently he had clinical depression. I had no idea. All I saw was a dad that didn't want to eat at the table with us and didn't want to play with the kids and didn't want to do any of these things. And I said, I don't know what's wrong with you, but this is like really toxic to my positive vibe. I'm going to go live with mom full time. And then I talked to him on the phone once and then he died. Oh, my God. And I was like, so I thought it was my fault. I was like, because all they could tell us when they did an autopsy is his heart was tired. We're really sorry. And I was like, I broke his heart. It was me. Like, I did that. And so I think that's why it took me so long to deal with it is because I was like, dude, this is my fault. I killed my dad. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. Like, Do you still believe that? No. It sounds to me like between 17 and you now, you had a family that was present mm-hmm. and grieving in their own ways. And then I imagine that in some course a professional stepped in or was recommended f- to take on grief counseling or mm-hmm. or was that or did it spawn in a different way because i didn't start going to therapy until i was in my late 20s okay okay so and it actually very interestingly <laughs> the reason i started going to therapy was because one of my friends from that circle of um the club of we've all lost a parent <laughs> She and I discontinued our friendship and it wrecked me like another death Yeah, in a way that is insane. Like my husband could not understand why I was so wrecked by this, but she had been with me this whole time. Like she used to like be at my dad's house with me. Her mom dated my dad for a while. It was like going through another death for me, even though she's fine, but it triggered all these things in me to regurgitate some grief. And it wasn't until... My second therapist that wasn't until last year, actually, I got this great therapist and she was like, you never really got to experience your grief. She goes, you went from losing your dad in July to probably picking it back up, going to college and family. My family wasn't the best all around at talking to me about the grief while it was going on, Mm -hmm. like while it immediately started happening. And I was just a kid. I was trying to figure that out, too. And even though I had friends that went through it, they weren't very resourceful in those dark moments when I'm by myself. And it, it was interesting to me just this last year that I had somebody say to me, connecting the dots of stories and saying, you never really dealt with this. Mm-hmm. Just last year, I got to finally deal with it. Mm-hmm. And my God, what a weight that was lifted. I still get sad at times and sure. have Always regrets, yep. right? But at the same time, I feel so much more complete in living my life and not having to carry this like million pound thing with me. Yeah. So when did you go into therapy? Um, Therapy, I think, happened. I'm trying to think of the timeline here. Um, For me, my dad died in October of 2012. I went off to college in August of the next year. Um, So I graduated and then it was like, okay, life and I went off to Lindenwood here in, in St. Charles, and I was away from my family for the first time. I was living on campus, and that's when it all, like, came at me all at once. And I was, I mean, it was to the point where I started hallucinating, like, seeing him places. Oh it sent me into, like, this suicidal, like, tunnel of, like, 
because I was seeing him two or three times a day. I couldn't figure out why I would tell my mom and, you know, she'd try to understand. But it's like if she's never experienced, she did lose her dad, but um, early ish. But most people don't have weird symptoms like that. Um, and it, I think it came along with the guilt. It was like whenever I would start thinking about that. I would start to see him places. And then I thought I was crazy. And then I was like, man, I should I should really just go away. You know, like I I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and there was one time, I think it was around the one year anniversary where I called my mom and I hadn't been going to class. She'd been on my ass about getting D's and failing and stuff that I never did in high school. Right. And I was like, Mom, I need you to come get me. I'm going to hurt myself. Like, I know it. Like, Thank I had God already, you said that out loud. I'd already been um, cutting myself with my room key. Like, weird things like that. That, And I would go out um, on the campus at like 3 in the morning. I was never sleeping. I would just walk around knowing that there was an actual rapist on campus. They had made an announcement. And I Jeez. didn't care. I was just walking around, like, listening to really sad music and, like, I was like, I just don't, I just don't care what happens to me. I'm not valuable. Like, I just don't care. Um, and once I did that and I said, mom, you have to come get me. I don't know what I'm going to do about school, but I can't be here. Um, she was like, okay, we're, we're going to go talk to somebody. Like we're going to do something. I went through probably three or four different therapists before I found one that worked. And then they told me, you said your dad had depression. Pretty sure you do too. And it caused, like, it was going to come up regardless, but now it's just coming at you real hard because it was triggered by this loss. And so then I got on um, some regulatory medicine and started to feel better. But it wasn't until these last couple months that I decided to deal with the grief on my own and kind of detach myself from letting it define me. Mm -hmm. I feel like before I was always doing things for my dad, like to like avenge his death or something (laughs) and in reality what I feel like my heart was calling me to do now is to do things in spite of my grief like oh I get it like dude I made it through something so freaking hard I can do anything yeah kind of a thing um you flipped the narrative of grief yeah and it felt really fucking good yeah (laughs) and it does you know I think that that's a perfect way to put it when you come out on the other side of grief. Because what's interesting is I took a death and dying class in college before my dad had passed away. This is Mm -hmm. when I was in junior college. And I loved this class. I still have my death and dying textbook that came with the class. I would love to read that. Very interesting psychology class. I remember thinking, oh, I'm setting myself up. And this is before anybody was sick or anything. I was like, I'm setting myself up to understand death before I have to meet it. Yep. And none, even whenever I thought about the stages of grief and everything, I knew as things were happening with me psychologically, emotionally, I knew where I was at. And actually, this pandemic is interesting because I've been talking to some girlfriends about how this pandemic is a cycle of grief. People are going Mm -hmm. through denial. They're angry. They go through acceptance. And it's this never-ending cycle, depending on where you're at in it. It was good to know myself on that level. But until I finally had somebody on the outside of my body Mm -hmm. telling me, this this happened to you, and it's okay to feel X, Y, and Z, and guess what? We're going to deal with it. I had never allowed myself the grace to just have it. Have it out. Yep. And 
it was so rewarding to get on that other side of the grief monster and to realize that I don't like all my all my perfectionist things that I do in my life and how I am in the real world with people that know me. I'm a people pleaser. I try really hard for certain people. I things have to be perfect a certain way. Yep. <laughs> that is all that's all stemmed from psychological grief. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch me unravel that stuff and and it's very it's a very long process. Yeah. But every Every day I'm working on something. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming clean with myself about it. And it's it's really great whenever you can get to that side of it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think another thing that people don't think about when it comes to grief or rather that they don't tell you is they talk about these five stages of grief that you're going to go to. And I can't tell you how many times I heard this when my dad died that, all right, Courtney, you're in this stage now. Next is going to come this stage What they don't tell you is that like you can go through all of them a million times in any different order for any amount of time. Like there's no (laughs) timeline on grief and there shouldn't be. And people need to shut the F up when they tell you that you should be like, hey, Courtney, it's been seven years. You think it's time for you to move on maybe? Mm. No, it's not. It's time to maybe change the way I think about it. But like you're always going to be sad. Like there's always going to be this like little sack of sadness in your heart. And this little thing that's like always missing. It's just always going to be that way. Yeah. But what's interesting, and maybe you're here because I have some years on you. So I this is <laughs> this is year 14 for me with not having a dad, you know, in my daily scheme of things. Even though I will say back to your hallucination moment, um, I would see my dad too, only they would be real people that looked like my dad, looked identical to him. Like, they would actually be there. Like, it would not be a hallucination. okay. Because I went down to Mexico when I graduated from college. I'm standing in the lobby. We're checking out. And my dad is there. This he and I took a picture of this guy. Yeah, because I was like, I need somebody. I needed to like show people that he was there. This guy looks identical to my dad side by side. Oh, that's so interesting. And it was so cool. And yeah. I remember being comforted by the those moments. Yeah, I still do it. I'll be driving down two seventy. I'm like, there he is. And it's yeah. it's so fun to have that little moment of joy and then those moments where I really like want to call him. You know, like those are the worst moments. Yeah. For me. And I don't know that I like what I believe in terms of like ghosts and stuff but like something like that or like even now thinking back on like the hallucinations I just think that was just like a sign just saying like hey I'm still here like you're good it's all good don't give up you know right I've I've kind of come around to thinking about it that way um but yeah it's it's interesting that I've never heard anybody even come close to having the hallucinations so this is weird why are we so simpler No, I think it's good. You know, I think it's a maybe that's just part of the thing and nobody is weird enough to talk about it. I don't know. Oh, Maybe. Do you dream about your dad? I actually had a recurring nightmare for about three years. The exact same one. Wow. Every single night. It was super dark and it, I was in a white room and I was kicking the soccer ball with my dad. My dad was my soccer coach growing up and it was probably the thing that brought us closest together other than music. And... um I was kicking the soccer ball with him and then God comes down and he takes my dad away and he looks at me and he goes, this is your fault. And then oh I wake my up. God. It sucked and nobody really got it. Uh, I would have like night terror kind of things. Uh, I remember one time I was sleeping on the couch at, at James's house when we first started dating and he was sleeping on the floor and I woke up and I 
Oh, well, I guess I wasn't awake. I was in the middle of the nightmare, and he hadn't experienced this before. And I just kept going, no, no, you can't stop. No, come back. And I was, like, screaming. And he mm. was like, are you okay? And I was like, God took my dad again. I just, this just like, happens. What? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I was like, this happens. But, yeah, once I started dealing with it in a different way, the nightmare started to go away. I do have it occasionally, but not nearly, not nearly as often. You'll probably have it tonight now that we've talked about probably, it. Probably. So thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun to laugh about this stuff. I, I know that probably seems weird. Like I imagine that there will be certain people that are listening to this episode who rightfully walk into this episode thinking, okay, I'm going to start feeling some things yeah. I don't want to feel. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, depending on where you're at with grief on any of these levels, whether it's a parent or something else, you will get to a point mm-hmm. where it is totally legit to talk about it, to laugh about it, yep. to cry about it. Mm-hmm. All of the emotions are fair game. Imp- fair game. Yeah. And they're important to have. What, let me ask you a series of questions sure. to see what your answers are. So what is the one thing that reminds you of your dad the most out of all things? A uh, guitar. Like if you hear a guitar. Yep. That that will break me almost every time. Does he, did he play guitar? Yes. Yeah. He, he was the best guitar player on the face of the earth. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know there's really great ones, but trust me, he was better. Um he actually auditioned for Ozzy Osbourne and really? then decided uh, to revoke his audition uh, so he could go to college because he's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, guitar. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. And I think it's why I haven't been able to touch a guitar very much yeah. myself. Now, did you sing with him? Yes. So yes. sing, And you still sing yes. often. Yes. So does that do you go to a place when you sing that is reminiscent of him? Yeah. Um. Certain songs are like, um, because we were in an 80s hair metal cover band together called the (laughs) Hair Syndicate. They're really good still. I'm not in the band anymore, but they're excellent. You should check them out. Um, And um, certain songs that we would sing together, um, like uh, High Enough by the Damn Yankees, Mm -hmm. anything by Def Leppard, of course, takes me there because that's my favorite band. And he introduced me to them and it was our favorite band together. Um, and then Silent Lucidity was one of the songs Queen's that he right. sang. Yeah, it was one of the songs he sang. So I, every time I hear that, I think that he sounded so much like the lead singer of Queensryche that it kind of like lulls me into like, oh, I'm actually listening to my dad. Oh, but, I um, love that. Yeah. And then I also have like recordings from like the original songs that he wrote and then the original song that he wrote for me. Um, so I listen to those often too, but definitely a guitar. Yes. Do you have anything that was your dad's that's very sentimental to you? <clears throat> I have his um, letterman's jacket from high school that my grandma gifted to me in 2015 um, for Christmas. I remember opening it and oh, I was God. just, oh God, I was a mess. I still have the video. James was uh, in Montana with me for Christmas that year and he took a video because awesome. she had told him before and he's like, you're going to want to see this, I think. And I mean, just like. Waterworks yeah. all over the place. A mess. But yeah. His Letterman jacket, I think, is my favorite thing. And then I also have ashes of his that I used to wear around my neck. And I take it with me when I meet our favorite bands. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So he's a part of the meet and greet. Yeah. Do you? So he was cremated. Right. 
my dad is buried in his hometown. And so like I was just there this past weekend just to go visit, which I don't yeah. go down to very often because it's two hours away and I don't have he, he it's just dead people down there that yeah, I would go yeah, see my right. grandma and him. Like, did you have a funeral for your dad and then he was cremated or how did that work? Yeah. So um, since it was so unexpected, like nothing was planned. Like, thank God they had, I think they had a will. Thank God. Just because he was a police officer mm-hmm. um, prior, I believe. Um, but they had nothing planned. So it was basically, we did the memorial. Uh, he was an organ donor. So they waited like, I think it was like six days after he died, we had the funeral. And so he was starting to look a little funky, you know, which yeah. I think was another contribution to my nightmares is like, that was not my dad in that casket. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so we did the visitation and we did like a small thing at the cemetery with family, but we didn't bury him. And not everybody could come out. So we got the like the headstone um, t- put together and chosen. And then in May of the following year, I graduated from high school and then we buried him the next day. And then we buried him again in Montana. So he's got two grave sites. Okay. So his ashes are buried in mm-hmm. these different places. Yeah, in different places. And then we also scattered some on Palisade Falls in Montana. We took the whole, I think there were 45 of us or something. The whole family was up there for the summer and we all hiked out there together and we oh, all. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was great. It was really the best way for him. And then there's a little bit that Laurie and the kids and I each have too. So did your mom ever explain her grief to you, even though they were divorced? Because my mom and dad divorced when I was five. And so Mm -hmm. my mom, I think she and my mom's remarried and I love my stepdad and like kind of similar to you. Like we have these great stepdads in our lives. And my mom never, I don't remember her at least doing it, never like let her grief for her ex-husband come rolling out. No, she hasn't. Um, and it's it's been weird because I can I know that that is why our relationship was so difficult at that point is because she was going through so much that she was not talking about. Right. And then I was going through so much that I was not talking about or like trying to talk about maybe. Um, but no, I never have seen it. But I can tell you that I don't think she has quite been the same. And and that could be for a multitude of reasons. That could be because it changed me. Mm-hmm. That could be, you know, I'm I'm just not sure. But I can say now that we have repaired our relationship. Oh, and yeah. Have you and your mom to, love each other so yeah, much. She's I the most supportive person. And, and Jeff is wonderful. And I would, I love Laurie so much. I got just so blessed with the best step parents. <laughs> I mean, Oh, step parents are the best when they you got really a good are. one. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't have good ones and yeah, I feel sorry sucks. for them. That they, sucks. But I'm not in that place. No, I, my stepdad has been, he's been in my life longer than my real dad. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I, so I am 35 and my stepdad, Jerry oh, yeah. came into my life when I was 11, 10 or 11. Okay. So he's been in my life for 25 years at least. Mm-hmm. And my dad only, I only had him for 21 and oh, so, true. you know, that's a weird dynamic too. Yeah. It's like the whole idea of, cause my dad was 54 when he died, mm-hmm. stepdad and my dad are, were the same age. So, uh, what's interesting to me is like having a guy fill that, not fill it, but come pretty damn close to filling the role of my dad is, has been the biggest gift 
ever. And, you know, he and I have been through some crap. Like, Yeah, me and Jeff, too. You yep. know, like your mom gets remarried. and It's all weird at first. And, you know, or they start dating and you see where it's going and you're not sure. And then and then slowly with time, you know, just because I think my stepdad has been so patient with my um, who I am, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's always been there for me when I need him and then he's also not been there when I don't need him and that's right. very knowing important, the knowing the boundary is so important right yeah do you think about your wedding day oh god I hate thinking about it I really do I love weddings and I love thinking about getting married but when I think about doing it without my dad oh my god yeah it's the worst yeah I can't. I know you are already did it. You got I your, did. You got your Tim Crush. Tuesdays. I got my Tim Crush Tuesday. My mom walked me down the aisle. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would do it, but highly suggest the mom role. Okay. <laughs> because <clears throat> it's funny because I have like a an angsty journal from like high school <laughs> where I put in there that I wanted my mom to walk me down the aisle. Like, I remember being, like, totally full of angst. And, like, I was like, my dad's, I'm going to do, you know, I was like, I'm going to be so liberal. And, uh, and you know, what's interesting is I've read back on that journal since he's gone. And I was like, since I've been married, and I thought, you little crap. Like, you you would have never wrote that had you known the, the history. Right. But um, my mom walking me down the aisle was such a special thing. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like... For my sister, because my sister and I have different dads. Right. I want I wanted my stepdad to walk my sister down. Sure. And I feared that if he walked me down the aisle and then he passed away before my sister got married, that she would always <laughs> resent that or something. Yeah. Or, or I would always feel guilty for that. Yeah. And so I just played the safe card uh, of wanting my mom there with me because it was the, yeah. just the closest thing. And it was wonderful. So... That's a good idea. You'll you'll know something is missing on that day yeah. if you ever do get married. But at the same time, I I didn't cry. I didn't have that. That was not. That was like the last thing on my brain that day. Yeah. Really. I, I hope it's so that excited. way for me too. Because yeah. I, I, it's gonna be a hot minute. Yeah. Because we are <laughs> not getting married soon. But um, I, I that's one thing that I. The one thing that will always break me is a father-daughter dance. Oh, yeah. Every single time. And I'm like, God, am I going to just ball my whole way through the reception? And right. then I'm like, I don't want to not have one. Because, like, I've even thought about planning it, like, what I would do. And I, I think I would just have the song that he wrote me mm-hmm. playing. And then I would I would probably just just dance with, like, maybe with my siblings or something. And, like... You know, have like a slideshow of like pictures and everybody cries and it's great. Or like maybe <laughs> it's not. It's the Grammys. It's the Grammys of dad. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe that. I don't know. But I oh God, I do not like to think about it. I did dance with my stepdad. I did do the father-daughter dance with him. And it was fine. I think I would do two separate ones maybe. Maybe that. Yeah. I'm planning my wedding right now. Sorry, We're James. planning the wedding on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that you are wonderful because not only have you been honest with yourself through what it sounds to me like through this whole time of you, you know, it took me a while, but then I was like, I'm just over, I'm just over being in denial for the rest of my life. I'm just, I just, you have to face it. You have to get real with yourself. You do. And I think it's beautiful that you not only are transforming your mind, body and soul, but you are also sharing the wealth that you are 
coming from with a new podcast, yes. which is exciting. It is called Mental Wealth and Hellness. Yes, with an ampersand. With an ampersand. <laughs> I loved your video on Instagram. <laughs> and I have not listened yet. Is there a first episode out? There are two out. There are two out. Yes. And so explain just where your idea for this came from and what direction that podcast is going to take people. Okay. Well, I started it mostly because I realized through sharing on social media how much I have to say and that Instagram always cuts me off. And I think it's rude. And there's just so much that I want to say to people and so much that I think nobody talks about that I just kind of wanted to get really, really real. And I wanted to have something that, like, I was not waiting on anybody else to do. I just say, oh, okay, you know what? Today I'm feeling this way. And I'm going to do an episode about what I'm feeling right now. And here it is. And then I just hop on a mic and I just say whatever I want. I just think it's super important. And since I've changed so much over the last couple of months with my own journey and finding out new things about myself and letting go of things that I've been holding on to for so long, I just think that I'm a little bit more qualified now to talk about it without being like, yeah, do this, but I don't do it. You know what I mean? Right. So I think because I've gotten more confident with myself, I'm just really want everybody to feel the way that I do right now. Yeah. You're <laughs> so, leading by example. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think the best gift for people, especially in these weird times we're going through in the pandemic, is they are looking for a common thread Mm -hmm. of comfort. And I think a podcast dealing with mental health, and I love your play on the words mental wealth, like you're actually going to gain something, you're going to be wealthy in your mental state, and and the hellness that comes with trying to be well. Mm -hmm. I totally love it. It's a perfect name. I wasn't sure if it sucked or not, and I ran it by James, and he said, I think it's kind of catchy, and I was like, great, here's my thought process, and it was exactly what you said. So So there you go. It's perfect branding. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I've only been doing my podcast for over a little over a year and the best thing that I have found I have a couple of people that listen that I know personally where they listen and they will text me a review or what a podcast episode brings out for them oh and I find that to be incredibly inspiring and helpful Ooh. for me to know what is out there who is out there and what they what more do they need from me yeah because I'm I'm here to serve as a voice of resilience yeah. as a a form of positivity and realness mm-hmm. and I I've never wanted to bullshit anybody yep. and so that's why this podcast exists for me in these types of environments <laughs> conversation <laughs> but also I was so happy when you agreed to come on because it's it's one thing to talk to somebody I know pers- like more personally than I know you yeah. like somebody I've known for a million years yeah. about this stuff and having two different scenarios of grief with yeah. losing unexpectedly or expectedly right and t- sharing our truth about how we are still here, that yes. we haven't done anything to ourselves mm-hmm. or didn't allow our grief to change us in a way that is going to define us, like you've said. Mm-hmm. I think it's inspiring. And I hope that this episode, if it made people feel like crap, I hope that by the end of it, <laughs> they are uh, feeling lifted. inspired <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to move forward in this world with their grief rather than letting it be on top of them yes. and not able to get through it. Yes, I agree. And also, I listen to your podcast every week. You're my hero. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> this- <laughs> every time. Oh, my God. You're so cute. 
No, and I'm I'm just so impressed by you. You are doing amazing things. You deserve those compliments. Thank You're you. such a hard worker. <laughs> you have such a bright soul and you are kind. I think anybody who follows and listens to your podcast will that will resonate with them <clears throat> and you have a very bright road ahead of you, Courtney Diamond. Oh, thank you. You shine bright like a diamond. Okay, you ruined it. <laughs> I hate when people say that. <laughs> What about shine on you crazy diamond? That's better. Is that better? That's better. Much love going out to Courtney Diamond for opening her heart and her mind and getting personal with me. Honestly, it takes a lot to do that. She and I work together, but we don't know each other as well as like our friends, you know? So I really do appreciate her candidness and just how wonderful she is. Subscribe to Courtney's new podcast, Mental Wealth and Hellness. If you maybe want to learn more about Courtney or maybe you just want to learn more about yourself, sounds like she's going to chisel herself down and possibly you in the process, which is nice. Again, thank you very much for your time here today. I hope that this episode wasn't too terrible. I know I broke down in the middle of it, but hey, that's grief, right? You're not alone in the grieving process, no matter if that is world, national, or personal. There is going to always be somebody who is willing to listen and understand and possibly make a podcast out of it. So keep on communicating, all right? Next episode will be out on the 20th, and I believe it will be Mark Close, who will be my guest. I'm just kind of rummaging through the building of everybody I work with because that's all I can really come and encounter with as far as personal distance goes. So we will uh, talk to Mark about his extraordinary life on the radio. And I send all my love to you. Happy Father's Day, dads. Peace. Peace.